0: The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070.
1: Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show is brought to you in part by Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Services Modern Mortgage Group, and Lori Zorn, insurance manager for Island Savings. If you're looking for advice on insurance or mortgages, you can always get in touch with Denise and Lori. They are experts. They're excellent to speak with. To find their contact information, just visit the CFAX 1070 website and look under Shows. There you'll find us, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe, and their contact information is there. Or you can always reach out to me. You can find me online on the CFAX website or anywhere in social media. I'd be happy to connect you. If you are looking for an expert realtor to help you purchase or sell your property, you can also call me. I am, after all, a 26-year local veteran and top agent with Remax Camosin. Victoria's Most Productive Real Estate Brokerage. Today on our show, we'll be talking about climate change as it relates to real estate in Victoria with Greg John, And also in our studio, we have the 2018 president of the Victoria Real Estate Board, Kyle Kerr. Let's start our show with our usual weekly listener question. If you have a question or curiosity about real estate, call us on our hotline, which is 250 414 6540 Or you can find us online at cfax1070.com, and we'll discuss it on the air. By the way, if you were fumbling for your pen to write down our phone number, don't worry, because if you're a podcast listener, you can also download our podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Of course, that is The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe. I have an email from Veronica, and she asks actually two questions. What kind of education must realtors take And what's the worst part about being an agent? Um, What kind of education must realtors take and what's the worst part about being an agent? Well, thank you, Veronica. Uh, I don't know if you're asking the question because you're thinking of becoming a realtor uh, or if you're just curious about our role uh, in the business. But uh, your first question, though, is what kind of education must we take? Uh, First of all, uh, the Sauter School of Business does the applied real estate practice course. Uh, It is a a course that um, is done by correspondence. It includes a number of things talking about uh, real estate as a business, Uh, real estate as far as identifying the types of real estate, um, a little bit about construction. uh, There's some components about mortgaging. Uh, I'm actually reaching here because I took it 26 years ago, so uh, it's been a really long time. I can tell you, though, after the course is taken and the exam is passed, a a candidate must take the... um, I'm sorry, the first one was licensing course. They must then take the applied practice course, which I happen to be an instructor for. So it's a two-week uh, online course with an uh, instructor like myself, some of my colleagues, where you go through the important aspects of agency, uh, ethics, uh, and how to um, uh, deal with clients in a fair, uh, in a fair manner. Uh, it's a really uh, uh, exhaustive course, actually. It's 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 very good, if I have to say. I didn't write it, by the way. I'm just one of the instructors. Uh, after the two-week course, oh, and also, too, there is a component about writing contracts because, of course, we need to make sure that new licensees uh, are well-versed with writing contracts before they get out there in the field. After they take their two-week course, they do two days in class, Uh, And at that point, they have basically a learner's license. So they can sell real estate, but they're not fully licensed uh, because the next component is a a four-and-a-half-month practical course, which is done and overseen by the managing broker the licensee has to do a number of tasks. I think it's 10 tasks, things like holding an open house, writing a listing contract, writing a purchase contract. And they have to pass all of those things uh, with one final day in class before they become a full-fledged realtor. Now, that's not the end of education. Uh, realtors must also have uh, uh, mandatory education uh, on their relicensing. We get relicensed every two years, and every two years, we must complete uh, a number of uh, in-class courses to maintain our license. Uh, One of them is always a legal update uh, where one of the lawyers uh, in the British Columbia Real Estate Association roster uh, talks about all of the latest legal issues that have come up. Uh, That is mandatory, uh, along with a number of other courses that the association puts out uh, that helps realtors uh, make sure that they are fully up-to-date with the issues at hand out there in the marketplace and things that uh, will help them uh, in their business. By the way, the mandatory courses generally are not sales-related, so they're not uh, education on how to sell. They're all education about legal aspects and things that protect the consumer. So those are things that uh, realtors must take for education. Aside from that, I always recommend to to licensees that they go out there and attend the sales courses. So, there's a number of great real estate trainers out there in North America. I actually happen to work for one of them. I work for Richard Robbins International out of Toronto. I think I've mentioned before on the show that uh, I am a coach for realtors across the country. So, I have a number of uh, realtor clients that are looking to increase and improve their business, uh, and I am their coach. It's one of the things I do on the side, just like I do the CFAC show on the side. Uh, It... uh, Uh, It helps me, actually, frankly, be a better agent uh, as well. Now, what's the worst part about being an agent? Uh, Do we have Kyle's mic on right now?
2: Maybe we can ask Kyle. What's the worst part about being an agent, Kyle? Uh, I think you know, it always depends on how you look at it. Uh, I would say for some people, I think the schedule is definitely something that can catch up to you, uh, especially when you first get into the business. You are working pretty much seven days a week. Open houses on the weekend. You know, taking people over showings late in the evening. So for some people, that can that can be a hindrance. Uh, you know, I I personally enjoy it because you do get to set your own schedule a little bit. Um, and I think some of the costs sometimes um, that people don't aren't fully aware of that when you're getting into this business, you really need to have, you know, they kind of say three months, I say you'd want to have about six months of your own personal expenses saved up. Uh, when you talk about marketing and licensing and all those things you already talked about, um, it can definitely add up. And if you know you don't have some success right away, those costs can start to mount up. So I think that's just, you know, some, one of the reasons why we see people get out of the business is just the schedule, the demand of your time, and then some of the costs that can go with Gr- it.
1: Actually, great answers, because, you know, Kyle, those would be the two things that I would bring up as well, too. Uh, although uh, our other guest, Greg, is raising his hand here, because Greg was a commercial realtor years ago, right? That's right, Tony. I
0: was. Uh, I graduated from BC. IT and real estate management uh, too long ago to remember. Uh, I do remember when assailing the test, uh, they told us that if you failed math, the people that failed the test also failed the math. So uh, I remember boning up on the math, the mortgage math is a key. But uh, I was a realtor for about three years. And then my wife at the time, she uh, came down with a, a, a chronic illness that really put a crimp in the evenings and the weekends. Oh. And so... Time. Yes, I had to quit yeah. for that reason.
1: Well, actually, both of you, are, are. those are the topics that I would bring up as well, too. And to answer Veronica, uh, it is not a 9-to-5 job. And this is the thing. If, if you're looking for, or if people need the, the surety and certainty of a 9-to-5 job where they receive a check every two weeks, real estate is not for you because... We are at often the beck and call of our clients who need us at night or need us on the weekends. Uh, We don't negotiate deals just during business hours. They are often done late at night. I did one many years ago where negotiations stretched up to 3 in the morning. So these things can happen. There's no overtime pay, by the way. And sometimes there is no pay because if you don't sell a house, then uh, there could be weeks, if not months, without a paycheck, which can be very, very high pressure uh, in a family life the uh other thing as kyle mentioned is it is a business so even if you are away on holidays there are costs that continue on. It's just like having a retail store, um, just without the storefront. So you're paying, um, uh, the cost of being a brokerage, you're paying the expenses, uh, of advertising and licensing and all of these things. So, um, I would say those are the worst parts about being an agent. Uh, although I'll admit to you, Veronica, I've been at it for a long time, so I don't really feel those things anymore. You know, when you're at it, I guess for long enough, um, are no longer issues. So, uh, I, I would have to say uh, myself, there is really no bad part about being an agent. I love it. Uh, It is a very fulfilling life. It enables me to do all the fun stuff I get to do, just like being here with you right now on CFAX and all the other things I do out there in the community. So thanks for your question, Veronica, and a reminder to the rest of you. If you have a real estate question you like answered on our show, please visit the cfax1070.com website or call our hotline, which is 250 414-6540 and for our podcast listeners find us on iTunes or Google Play it's The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe. We're now going to take a quick little break we'll be back in just a moment with Greg Meiklejohn to talk about climate change. Back in just a moment Thanks for coming back you are listening to The Whole Home Show and I'm Tony Joe Our guest right now is the co-owner of Enrollment Resources which is an education software company but that's not the reason why he's here Greg Mikojohn John is here to talk about climate change as it relates to real estate in Victoria. I've known Greg now for actually I can't even think of it. It's over tw- I think it's twenty years or so, right? Oh, north of twenty. North years. of twenty years, yeah, a, sorry. Yeah. And I'm I'm glad to have you here. Thanks for coming, Greg. Okay, thanks, Tony. Now, okay, here's a big question for our listeners. Mm-hmm. This is a real estate show. Yes. What brings you here? Well, uh, I, I have uh,
0: taken a. Uh, Uh, Some intense training in Pittsburgh. Uh, Back in September, uh, there's this gentleman named Al Gore.
1: I think maybe some people would have heard of this fellow before.
0: That's right. He's a a politician down south, and he took a run at the U.S. presidency, and he was always deep into the climate change uh, challenge. Uh, And he has organized this huge developing infrastructure called the Climate Reality Corp. The Climate Reality Corp. are a series of people, uh, a series run every year. Uh, this has in Seattle. It was previously in Jakarta, Indonesia, and goes all over the world. And they, they bring people in for these three-day intensive training, and they, they teach people how to be activists as it relates to climate change. And then we all go back to our respective communities, and uh, the, the handshake is that they pay for us to come out they teach us and feed us and whatnot. And in exchange, we give presentations on climate change in our respective communities. Which you have been doing. I have been, yes. Yes. And uh, throughout the Pacific Northwest and uh, actually focusing more in the business communities. But um, here we are and we're talking about uh, climate change for a a brief period of time as it relates
1: to people who own homes and our, our own community. So many of the listeners will know, of course, that uh, Mr. Al Gore was the author of An Inconvenient Truth, right? Correct. And uh, I've actually, I've read the book, and I've seen the... Sh- there was a documentary uh, many years ago.
0: Right, and then a recent one as well, a follow-up, uh, just uh, bringing people up to speed. And um, the, the basic uh, place where we're at right now is uh, we're about two-thirds of the way to uh, an increase in... Uh, the heat on the earth, um, and once we hit this, this uh, heat increase of 2 degrees, we're at 1.2 degrees right now, um, the scientists that are studying this are basically telling us that the world will continue. It's not going to blow up or anything, but issues as it relates to climate change will no longer be allowed. Uh, you can, we can no longer, as humans, spool this back, uh, walk it back Mm -hmm. anymore. And we'll be at the mercy of uh, what happens beyond our control. And they anticipate it's like a 500 to 1,000 year. uh,
1: Nothing that happens overnight. This is.
0: To to bring this back to normal. Yes. And so we have this last shot, if you will, as uh, human beings to go and right size this problem. And uh, there will be a problem. And, uh, it will come sooner and harder than many of us realize.
1: So what are the things that we need to start doing in our communities in order to combat this? That's a great question. I think the first, uh,
0: thing is really a a bit of a, a, oh, it's really a difficult challenge in a sense in that, you know, Tony, we live in paradise. Uh, the homes you sell are beautiful and wonderful gardens and trees that are um, bearing fruit and, we are in this wonderful temperate climate. Um, and so when we walk and we look around the air is fresh, it's hard for us to believe that there is a crisis at our feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that is the biggest issue that people have to do is wrap their head around that there's no problem here, but there certainly is a problem right now in Santa Barbara and Ventura County. Uh, and that is a, a byproduct of, of climate issues, a multi-year drought. That turned into a fire. Mm-hmm. Same in the interior of British Columbia when we were uh, getting all that smoke coming down in August, and the poor people in the uh, in the interior. My yeah. goodness. So there are th- little pieces of, of uh, little signs that uh, that our, our idyllic uh, uh, life that we take for for granted are starting to kind of fray, come away at the seams a little bit. We're getting little clues these crazy hurricanes, Uh, Miami is underwater on a sunny day when there's high tide because the sump pumps can't push out the seawater fast enough that it's coming in. Mm -hmm. And they're filling the aquifers and the brackish water is killing the trees. And they're anticipating that within 30 years, Miami will will have to displace, I think it's four and a half million people New York City in the island of Manhattan, they're building berms around the entire island, preparing for what's to come.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now, uh, the time that you spent in your training here uh, obviously was an eye-opener for you. Yeah, it was. Uh, the
0: first, uh, Al Gore led with a two-hour, 500-slide... 500-slide. 500-slide, two-hour presentation on why there was, in fact, a problem. And, and then he... Uh, took a day and a half and brought out in 45-minute increments Nobel laureate scientists, climate scientists, that were studying this from all angles, chemistry, uh, geography, geology, physics. And 1940 of the, of the 2,000 scientists that have been studying this problem are all landing on the same conclusion, uh, that when it hits this certain temperature at this certain time, we'll no longer be able to unspool the problem.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow uh, so all of the thinkers are there and and yet there are people who who don't believe in this absolutely um, I think with um,
0: most people um, it's unfair to say they don't believe that there's an issue I think they they don't if you you slice it slice the issue into pieces because it's a complex issue they may not believe that there's a, a slice of it that they're having trouble with. And, um, so I think the key is to just really respect those folks and, uh, recognize that part of it might be denial. Part of it might be fear. Part mm. of it might be, Hey, I've historically been a, um, a recreational salmon fisherman and there's, n- there are no more fish for me to catch. Mm. And is that a fluke or is that just through a series of of uh, uh, mistreatment as it relates to the ocean. The acidification of the ocean right in our backyard is starting to take all the fish that we enjoy and eat, and they're going deeper and farther out into the ocean because they need a certain... Uh, certain environment. Ch- yeah, a certain environment, a certain chemistry to make the... Um, have them thrive.
1: Yeah. And that's starting to change. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're doing presentations around town here? Around town, uh, Oregon,
0: Washington State, and Vancouver, what have
1: you. Yeah, so, and, and what what are people learning uh, at the conclusion of your, your presentation? I think what people are really learning is that, uh, y- you know,
0: the majority of the people recognize that there is an issue, and they read, and people are intelligent, and they come but they they move into a place of denial because it is such an overwhelming such a complex issue and we're all as individuals sitting there going holy cow what what can we do and uh, i think really uh, if we can just review maybe brainstorm some of the people that are real estate oriented what they can do to just make a little difference so you know they can uh, look themselves in the eye when they're shaving or brushing their teeth and and hold their head high, and uh, that might be a thought.
1: If people need to reach you, Greg, what's the best way to do that? The best way to reach me is to
0: uh, just probably email me at gregm, G-R-E-G-G-M, at
1: shaw.ca. That's Greg with two Gs at the end. Two Gs at the end, Tony. greg 2 G's, m at shaw.ca. Um, you know, I, I want to pick up on this conversation after our break here. Uh, again, it's a real estate show, yeah. and and houses and structures do contribute quite a bit uh, into the climate and, and are, the
0: environment. Yes, there are, there are six ways that homeowners can make small quarter turn moves in terms of how they operate their their household. Uh, and uh, maybe we can touch on it.
1: Yeah, we're going to do that after the break. We're going to come back uh, with you, Greg Mikuljohn, talking about climate change, and then we're going to shift uh, on to having our conversation with the 2018 president of the Victoria Real Estate Board, Kyle Kerr. Uh, we're going to take a quick little break. We'll be back in just a moment. Thanks for rejoining us. You're listening to the Whole Home Show and I'm Tony Joe. Our show is brought to you in part by Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Services, Modern Mortgage Group, and Lori Zorn, insurance manager for Island Savings. We've been having a we have been having a conversation with Greg Michael about climate change and right now we want to have a continued conversation about how climate change change relates to real estate here in Victoria. Thanks again for coming, Greg.
0: Yeah, thank you, Tony.
1: So as I was saying just before the break, I am aware of the fact that structures, our houses, uh, the way we live, has an effect on climate. Yes. Uh, You know, there's there's water issues, there's heat, there's heat loss, heat transfer, there's off-gassing, there's all this kind of stuff. So uh, tell us about some things that homeowners need to know. Well, it's uh, really, I think what you're saying is that a, a
0: home is really like its own little planet, its own little ecosystem, really, hey? And, um, it sure is. Yeah, and, and yeah. y- there's there north of 110 million tons of carbon that are um, pushed into the world every single day, and, uh, and yet here we have with our little homes, and what do we do? And uh, will it make a difference? And I would argue that, uh, you know, the old saying, a journey of 10,000 miles starts with a single step. Mm -hmm. And to that end, there are the standard things that we can do. Like so many homes have moved to um, uh, uh, heat protection through double-paned glass windows. Of course, yeah. Those kinds so of So minimizing
1: heat loss through windows, yeah?
0: Correct, yeah. There's some, uh, but maybe the, the area that where it can, there can be some some movement is, um, as it relates to, for instance, um, solar panels. Hmm. The CRD had a program um, where they, uh, they will put solar panels, uh, well, the, the contractors, on a home's roof and... They will, uh, and then the water warms and, and, and works in, like the yachts have these tubular um, uh, pre-tanks, yeah. and then it feeds into your hot water tank, which in turn lowers the cost to heat your hot water in your home, Yes, saving you like 100 bucks a month. And so the cost of the solar panels and these uh, this uh, technology it all kind of washes.
1: Yes, and all these is changing. We I mean we had a conversation about solar energy uh, several months ago on our show here, and uh, and especially in a town like Victoria, which does have I mean some people will say we get a lot of cloud and rain and stuff, but there is a lot of sunshine mm-hmm. on an annual basis. So well, especially so if
0: you're facing south. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then of course really uh, they're anticipating that 95 percent of the world's lighting will be LED. Yep. Yeah. That's a no-brainer. Uh, the um, gray water management and, uh, moving gray water that comes off of your home and into, can be diverted into toilets, can be, uh, diverted into the garden. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these kinds of little things homes can do. Um, and then of course there's, there's envelope technology, there's roofing technology. Tesla is coming out now
1: with the glass roof yeah.
0: the glass roofs that also double up
1: as solar panels. Yeah. Um, by yeah. the way, that's going to be my next roof. Like, I'm not ready yet. i got about 10 years left on my roof, but yeah. we've decided we're going to get that. So.
0: Well, just to be cool, hey? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: like, it, 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 it fits in with the electric car, right? So it we, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And,
0: and electric cars are really, there are 38 major car manufacturing companies around the world making electric cars right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not an if, that's a when. Yeah. And um, so we'll start preparing for that. I think, um, you know, in addition to being overwhelmed by this huge... Uh, the enormity of this issue and the complexity of this issue combined with the fact that we can't really see it and feel it, our water is incredible. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, tap- here. Yeah, it is yeah, here in Victoria. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you,
0: you know, the, you can drink the tap water uh, in your house and it's great water. Uh, there's the the other piece where the the wind power, solar power, uh, these kinds of, of solutions that are available, heat exchange, mm-hmm. heat exchangers, um, are they're a little more costly than than what's given? Just
1: like hybrid vehicles and
0: electric vehicles are a little more expensive. to Well, buy. And,
1: and I guess this is the biggest argument is the is the economics, the economics of all the stuff that you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a great development in town here, Dockside Green, uh, has its own uh, sewage treatment plant. It has uh, water reclamation. It has. Um, uh, you got green roofs. And it has, um, uh, it's escaping me right now, the heating system. The, uh, the heat recovery. The heat re- yeah, just all of these things. And But they were expensive. They are. Right? So, uh, you know, unfortunately right now, I, I think it's too common for developers to say, we're just going to build a traditional condo or house because we can't recapture the cost well, of adding have, this technology. Right. You,
0: you have to see the point of, the, of view of the builder. I mean, these people are good people they're ethical they're building high quality product uh, as it pertains to what we view as normal today um it takes great vision and guts to build a home that is uh going to be required for tomorrow yeah and um man it's it's a real tough deal because as a homeowner you're sitting there uh, um and you want to do good. Everyone's a good person, and we all want to do well. And- well, you, you know,
1: uh, yeah. I. I. And I, but I have to say, this whole conversation about uh, climate change and environmental stewardship. Mm-hmm. I have often thought that we here in Western Canada are ideally placed to be uh, front runners in this area because we live in this beautiful place with beautiful air and beautiful water. And we're very much an outdoors community. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, I, and I think that's what Dogside had planned to do. They could have been maybe a little bit ahead of their time. But uh, I do feel that there should be more development like this in so, our little town. So
0: Tony, there is construction standards called LEED. Yes, of course. Uh, you know, you know a little more about that perhaps than yeah. I do. But um, do you want to touch on that briefly, or
1: <laughs> it's it's a whole other topic uh, as well. It's an environmental standard mm-hmm. that builders uh, build towards that. Um, uh, it's a certification, of course, uh-huh. uh, energy efficiency and all that. Uh, I think we're going to have a guest actually in the near future, uh, to talk about, uh, lead construction. That'd be
0: very interesting. Yeah.
1: But, uh, yeah. listen, uh, Greg, again, uh, if people need to reach you, how can they do that? Oh, just email me at, uh, gregm at
0: shaw.ca. Yeah, that's G-R-E-G-G-M.
1: Correct. At shaw.ca.
0: One last thing. Yep. Uh, I know we're on the clock, uh, our, our beaches are everywhere here in Victoria, and they would be absolutely filthy and disgusting if it were not for the Surfrider Association, organizations like that, that go out mm-hmm. with bags and vol- volunteers and clean what you would not believe washes up on our beaches. Wow. So we have here a whole infrastructure of volunteers that work to make uh, life very pleasant around the edges of our homeowners that. In Victoria. Yeah,
1: these are things that locals perhaps take for granted. Thanks for coming, Greg. You're welcome, Tony.
0: Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Great. Take
1: care. Uh, Now, uh, in our studio, we have with us uh, Kyle Kerr. Kyle is a licensed realtor here in Victoria. Uh, Kyle is the president of the Victoria Real Estate Board, the 2018 president. Uh, He has served as a director for uh, three terms. Uh, yes, at yes, the Victoria Real no. Estate Board. This is my fifth year. Yeah, I know this
2: because uh, I did sign your um, nomination form the first time around, right, Kyle? <laughs> That's correct, yeah. You uh, you called me. I was on my way to Europe, actually, on a vacation, and you said, hey, I'm going to make you run for director. And <laughs> I'm glad you did. Well, the, the cool thing, Kyle, is
1: you are the president for 2018. I was the president in 2008. Uh, so uh, um, you're picking up the torch 10 years later. Thanks for coming. Yes, torch. no problem. Thanks for having me. Great. Kyle, there's a lot of things here to talk about. Um, We're going to head to a break shortly here, but uh, let's have a quick little chat here about 2017. It's been a pretty hectic year, right?
2: Yeah, it's been a very, very busy year. Um, You know, not quite the record-setting year that we had in 2016. Uh, You know, our current president, Arab Albanian, I think was in the talk to you earlier in the year, and 2016 was a a, a banner year. It was the highest amount of sales we had ever had Mm -hmm. in in the Victoria Real Estate Board trading area, uh, just over 10,000. Um, So this year we never
1: saw that before. We may never see it
2: again. No, no. I think that was that was really a record year. And so this year we're going to end off. uh, So like I said, about over 10,000 sales in 2016. We're going to end off right around 9,000 this year. Still good. Still great. So if we actually look at that from a historical standpoint, that's the second best year since I think 1992. Mm -hmm. Uh, right when you were probably getting in the business. So um, yeah, so it's still been a banner year, but definitely not quite the same pace that we saw in 2016, which um, was good for some people, you know, but uh, what I kind of call 2016 was the year of the single family home, where we had a lot of growth in that sector. Uh, 2017 was definitely more of the year of the condo and and the strata property.
1: Well, listen, uh, we're gonna take a quick little break here. How true that is though. I mean, it felt like 2017 was softer, but the thing is when you compare it to the rest of the years that we've had, it ended up Being a very strong one. We're going to take a quick little break. We'll be back uh, to have the rest of our conversation with the 2018 president of the Victoria Real Estate Board, Kyle Kerr, back in just a moment. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our guest right now is the president of the Victoria Real Estate Board. Kyle Kerr, Kyle, thanks again for joining us. Thanks a lot, Tony. We were just talking before the break about what happened in 2017 related to, to the, relating to 2016. Uh, 2016, of course, was the Victoria real estate market's banner year. 2017 uh, was less strong, but still strong in the grand scheme of the last.
2: Twenty six or twenty seven years. Yes, that's correct. Um, we you know, with the great big population growth that we're having right now, we're just seeing a lot of buyers coming into Victoria, Vancouver, Alberta, Saskatchewan. A lot of Canadians, you know, making that retirement decision to come out to Victoria. Yeah. A lot of movement within Victoria as well, and so just with that rising growth, we're just seeing a lot of still a lot of demand in in the industry, and still very low inventory as well.
1: All right, this is a really important point because you just mentioned a lot of movement within Victoria. We know that, I can't remember what the number is, it's like
2: 75% of the sales that occur in Victoria are from people who are buying or selling within Victoria. Yes, that's correct. I don't have the numbers right in front of me right now. But yeah, still, you know, the majority of our market is still very, very locally based. Yep. Um, and then outside of that, it's generally the island and the rest of British Columbia that make up the majority of our, All right. of our now, clients. Where I'm getting to
1: here right now is there's this whole there's been this conversation the entire two thousand and seventeen, part of two thousand sixteen about foreign buyers and people coming in and driving up real estate prices, a report came out with CMHC at the end of 2017 that actually said Canada-wide and in Vancouver specifically, foreign ownership was 4.8 percent. That was the most. That was the most uh, comprehensive study that has been done yet, and yet in what really is the uh, um, it, it's the the epicenter of this whole foreign buyer controversy, Vancouver. There's only four point eight
2: percent. I think the numbers are probably about the same in Victoria. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, it's right. It's been hovering right around between four and five percent. I think it's crept a little bit higher than that, but not much more. Um, you know, I think before the tax came in, in in Vancouver, it was definitely higher than that. But I think that tax. Um, has maybe worked in part of what it, they were hoping for, but I don't think the average person in Vancouver can say things have become more affordable since that tax has come in.
1: Well, no, and we, we had Keith Roy, um, the realtor in Vancouver, on our show a couple yep. of weeks ago, and he was... He was- Clearly stating, and is the truth, because we've seen the numbers here, the foreign buyer tax in Vancouver did absolutely nothing other than a short-term little blip when it was first implemented. And, uh, you know, as of the end of 2017, prices in Vancouver as high as they ever have been. So
2: it did not help affordability in any way. That's right. Yeah, I think it was more of a short-term halt. And now you're starting to see some of their benchmark pricing above where it was the pre-tax. And I think when we talk about foreign buyers here, I think we've always had foreign buyers in Victoria. I think mostly, though, those have been Americans, yes. right? The Americans that come well, up Well,
1: actually, a lot of Americans think that we're in America because we're <laughs> below the 49th, right? Well,
2: yeah, and they get off that cruise ship, and they're not really sure and where they are. And they're surprised why our our money is different color. Exactly. Yeah, well, yeah. the monopoly money thing comes up every once it in does. a while. Yeah. Um, so yes, the Americans. We've always had a fair amount of Europeans. Yeah, right? Western, Western Europe, especially. You know, we are a, a British settlement, right? We are. You know, we are Fort Victoria. So uh, definitely a lot of people from the United Kingdom, and because they've had family that moved over here years ago, uh, and they've come here to visit. That's the main thing that I hear from people. You know, in my day to day real estate sales practice, is just you know we came here for a vacation, and we just absolutely fell in love with this town. Yeah. A lot of what you and Greg were talking about previously, the climate, the lifestyle. Yeah. Um, you know, when you just. When we have at our backyard and at our doorstep is absolutely amazing. Well, so.
1: actually, you know, I've never brought this up on the show yet, but you, you've just reminded me. I had clients once that came in, they were staying at the Empress, yep. uh, and they were looking to... They wanted to look at a couple of houses, so I was introduced to them. I know some of the staff at the Empress, right? Yep. I was introduced to them. I ended up showing them three properties with no intention to buy. It was basically just a tour of Victoria, right? Yeah. And at the end of the day, they bought... At the time, it was I think it was 1.2 million dollar. We're talking 15 years ago. Wow, 1.2 million dollar house. They had no intention to buy, but they the allure of Victoria, the beauty and everything, and they were from Seattle. So, you know, I mean, it's a very similar environment, right? Definitely. But they decided to buy in Victoria. Uh, They sent their kids to school here. They went to St. Michael's. They had a great, I think they're in town for about six years. They had a great time uh, in Victoria until it was time to move back. That is a foreign buyer, right? And this is, you know, there's all this conversation about, oh, foreign buyers are driving up prices and and whatever. Um, I I I maintain that it's not the foreign buyers that have driven up prices. It is the vast majority of locals here who, have, who in 2017 and 2016, were caught up in that whole supply and demand issue and were in the um, arena of bidding wars and multiple offers.
2: Yeah, no, totally. I think I think you know, from the real estate board standpoint, we we didn't feel that the foreign buyer tax at this time made sense for the affordability issues that are at hand. Uh, we're always working with local politicians and local municipalities on trying to give them different op- opportunities to help with the affordability because we know it is a serious issue here. Um, but yeah, we just don't see that the the foreign buyer is the one that's pr- uh, you know m- causing those price increases to happen at the rate they are. I think. Well, yeah,
1: and I've jokingly said here before too. Actually, the true foreign buyer that's driving up prices here are the foreigners from Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, As in Vancouverites.
2: They were. Right? They people were. People from Vancouver. Yeah. The year 2016 was definitely that year, and we're still seeing some of those Van- Vancouver people come over. But, you know, I always tell my, you know, people that are locals, I said, every time, you know, on Facebook, you see someone share another article about Victoria is the number one city in the world to live or best lifestyle, I said, Th- that word gets out, right? Like Victoria is on the map now. Um, and, you know, with the security and safety that we have here in Canada, and especially in British Columbia, uh, a lot of people are looking for that. I had a lawyer contact me from New Orleans, uh, and they Came through here on a cruise ship one time. I said, "Well, you know, what what makes you want to come to Victoria?" He said, "Well, we just know it's a safe, beautiful city." And he, I said, "Well, I've been to New Orleans." He said, "Yeah, you don't want to live here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, world class city, but for, you know for different reasons. Most well, actually, he the of
1: the, the first thing is you know the it's it's to see blue water here instead of brown water. I've hey, been to New Orleans yeah, as well. Yeah, the Mississippi River and, yes. isn't quite that mighty, right? Yeah, so. yeah, amazing. Uh, Greg, I have a question.
0: Uh, Realtors is an amazing organization. The real estate board and and how um, how does the real estate board interplay with um,
2: the housing stock that. That affordable housing, I guess I could say. Well, we know we we represent, I guess, our the people who I represent, the realtors on the street, right? We represent developers, right? Developers will be our clients. So, you know, you talk to a lot of developers out there; they they are more than happy to help add some of that extra affordability stock um, if they have the right opportunities. But I think you know, there's such a demand right now for housing; it's hard to keep up with all the different segments. Mm. Uh, You know, there's a project downtown. It was a partnership of BC Housing and Char Development's where they're offering condo units at eight percent below market value so yeah. I think that's gonna be that where I'm I'm a big proponent of them. that's myself. vivid, vivid yeah. at the, Yates, vivid right? at the Yates. we had David chart on our show several that's, months ago that's yeah. right yeah so I think to deal with the affordability issue I think it's about creating a multitude of supply um, things like co-op housing uh, things like affordable units like this where it's a public and private partnership I think sometimes it's hard because you know it's it's tough for governments to be able to put out all that money and, and create all that type of stock
0: so the real estate board really could operate like a, almost like a pivot between all the stakeholders that are trying to create housing stock for people who are trying to get into the market? Yeah,
2: we, you know, we're just there really as, you know, as a nonprofit and really trying to promote, you know, good quality of life, good housing opportunities for everyone. We feel everyone should have a safe and secure home. Um, And really, we're just trying to create those partnerships within the community. We work with the Urban Development Institute. Like I said, we work with uh, the local municipalities, BC Housing, the CRD. So we're present in a lot of these committees and groups, you know, in having those conversations. And really, we're just there because we're the people on the street. Right, we're the people working with the young couple who wants to buy their first home and is having a challenge because they're competing with the person from Alberta or the people who have sold their house and want to downsize. So Mm -hmm. it's challenging out there, but you know the realtors on the street they really care about the people in the community, and we are kind of ambassadors of the community. So
1: and to answer your other your question as well too, Greg, the the. The Real Estate Board really is a collection of data as well because mm-hmm. we do all, we keep all the records of uh, what property is listed for, what they sold for, days on market, uh, all of that data, which, by the way, the British Columbia as- um, Assessment Authority uh, mm-hmm. uses to evaluate properties. They get our data, right? Oh. Uh, and, of course, appraisers as well, too. That's that's really one of the huge values about uh, organized real estate. Getting back to, to Kyle here. Okay, you, you now, something that you mentioned is uh, people that realtors... Represent. You talked about young families and all that. See, we we have been under um, fire for the past little while saying, you know, the real estate community is driving up prices. You guys like it because you're making more commission, you know, uh, all that. I think people forget about the fact that we, you, as a practicing realtor, also represent the young couple who's struggling to get in. Oh, right, and and, yeah. and you've said so before, like, because uh, people, people have said, people have criticized, I think even you yourself, saying, you know, you don't want prices to go down because you want to keep your pay up, but...
2: You've said if prices go down, what? Well, I say, it, wouldn't it be better for us as realtors that if, if everyone could afford a home? Because then everyone would be able to buy and sell all the time. Yes. So I said there'd be more business for us if things were more affordable. So it actually works against us. You know, I think if you look back at 2016, 2017, myself included, I would write 10 offers for every one that would go through because of the competitive You're doing 10 situation. times the work. Exactly. And dealing with like, you know, we treat this very personal. Most realtors become friends with their clients and because it's such an intimate, intimate transaction. And you know, when you have to see your clients be that emotional when they're having these hard times, you know, it weighs on us as well. So yeah, I think if you talk to 99% of the realtors out there, they would, we would way rather enjoy a balanced market where you have time. There's not the rush behind it. People can, you know, get out there and spend some time viewing different properties and get comfortable with the process. So no, I think, you know, our community, we know we want what's best for our clients because, you know, happy clients means, you know, business is good for us as well.
1: And and the other part of it, too, is consumers uh, sometimes forget about the fact that we represent not only the homeowners, you know, the ones who are, oh, they're making all this money now because their properties went up, you know, 100% in a few years. Of course, we represent homeowners and developers and builders, but we represent
2: buyers too. Yeah, we represent everyone with the buyers, sellers, investors, uh, downsizers, all that kind of stuff. So we're working with everyone that's out there. And, you know, we just, like I said, we want something that makes it uh, accessible for everyone and I think right now, like I said earlier, the population growth, we just have a lot of people moving here right now and I think the infrastructure, it takes time to play catch up. You know, the municipalities are trying their hardest. You know, City of Victoria is really trying to speed up their uh, approval processes. The nice thing that the City of Victoria has done is they're, they're going to fast track affordable housing initiatives, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's all the municipalities having to work together a little bit better as well. One of the things we're really promoting is regional transportation. Uh, I think we've got some outlying communities where homes are a lot more affordable but there's just not good transportation access right now so when we were in Ottawa earlier in the year we're talking to Randall Garrison about some money from the federal government maybe with the new the new NDP government we have here in BC we can get some funding going for some light rail or something but I think if we have better transportation uh, then housing will be better because if you talk to someone from Calgary from Mm -hmm. Toronto uh, you know a half an hour commute is nothing right they're dealing with an hour to two hours yeah so, yeah. you know, to, to sort of come in on, you know, from Langford sometimes, you know, on the, on the Colwood crawl isn't, isn't bad for someone from Toronto, but for someone from Victoria, it seems like you're going, you know, hundred uh, miles away. For sure. Uh, Kyle, the contact information for the real estate board. Um, You can, the Real Estate Board's website is www.vreb.org. The phone number there is 250-385-7766.
1: Yeah, and for our listeners, the Victoria Real Estate Board does uh, publish stats on the first of every month. Yes. So uh, you'll find it in the news, or you can go online, uh, the The recent month sales uh, and, and all of that. There's great information.
2: Yeah, I provide my monthly stats report. That gets shared you know, with the Times Colonist, a lot of the other local newspapers, and across Canada great. as well. Great.
1: Thanks for joining us, President Kyle, and also uh, our other guest, Greg John, talking about climate change. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Tony. Great. Thank uh, you. And this is The Whole Home Show. I'm Tony Joe. Thanks for joining us this week. I'll be here for you all this time next week.